Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No. It's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Well, here we are in December when people obviously are thinking that tech is an ideal thing to buy for people for Christmas. Absolutely. Well, let's go back to some old tech. Let's go to some old tech. All right. It is 50 years since the invention of Pong. Pong, the first console game to appear in pubs and bars and cafes and the like 50 years gosh i'm just working out how old i was i feel i was younger than i obviously was (laughs) pong clearly not clearly not it was in 1972 atari the founder of atari is a chap called nolan bushnell um Mm -hmm. got a 24 year old computer engineer called al alcorn to to code it Mm-hmm. So that would be a good thing to try. So they tried it. <clears throat> they put um, they put it. He did it with an old TV set that he customised to uh, with a little driver to run the game. Put it in the local bar, mm. and um, after two days, the manager of the bar called and said, "It's not working. Come and fix it." And he went to fix it and found that the coffee cup coin holder was full. So he changed it for uh, a coin holder made out of an old milk carton. And then it could right. a bit longer before it was changed, but it was a huge success. Hmm. It was go coding Pong back then was a major feat of engineering, and because nothing like that had ever been done before. Hmm. Now, when um, when people learn to code, one of the first things they're told to do is to create a game of Pong, because it is now almost trivial. But uh, then, yes, it was it was a big deal. Extraordinary. Hmm. And so, but it was later than that when it came on to when you could sort of attach it to your television, wasn't it? So I must have been much older than I thought. That came slightly later, yes. Yes. So hmm. I was practically an adult by the time that turned out. <laughs> You'll never be an adult. <laughs> well, that's, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Okay. So from Pong to. From Pong to Bob Dylan. We talked last week about how 500 pound hmm. uh, copies of his, his book, The Philosophy of Modern Song, Signed by the author, not not to have been signed by the author at all, but signed by an auto pen, which is a device that replicates mm-hmm. signatures. Um, and Simon and Schuster put out a, a very shamefaced apology. Turns out that it was Bob Dylan who was doing it. He claimed that he had vertigo since 2019 and that signing sessions involved a crew of five people to get him into position to sign his books. And the, during the pandemic, that wasn't possible because of social distancing. And that's why he started using an auto pen. Believe that and you'll believe anything. Right. So you are sceptical then, clearly. I am a little sceptical <laughs> about that. I mean, the question is, how long has he been auto-signing his uh, his his prints as well as his books? Well, I, well, not only that, but if there's a problem with vertigo signing books and prints, then how is he able actually to produce music? Well, that's a good question. That's probably a robot <laughs> as well. He's probably been a robot for years. He probably has, yes. 
Yeah, he's off, on some, he's off on some island sunning himself while robots exactly. just get on with the business of being Bob Dylan. Exactly. Yes, well, that makes perfect sense that he can carry on forever, can't he? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, filtered. we haven't had one of these yet, so let's have one now. We've talked about Elon Musk quite a lot over the last few well, weeks. I'm not well, going to mention strictly, Twitter. Strictly speaking, you've mostly been mentioning Yeah, mostly. Yes. Well, Twitter aside, a big partly because of the, the Twitter thing, Tesla drivers have been experiencing a backlash. They found that they're being cut off in traffic. traffic. People mm. are heckling them. People are blocking their, blocking their entrance to charging stations because they don't like Elon Musk. And this is their way of taking revenge on him. So not a good time to be thinking of getting a Tesla. Seems... Having said that, I'll probably be attacked by Elon Musk for saying so. Yes, that's, that does seem rather unfair. I mean, just because you buy a Tesla doesn't necessarily mean you approve of Elon Musk. No, but how, do the, how does the everyday man in the street, or in this case, man on the road, or indeed woman on the road, how do they get their own back on, on Elon Musk? Well, now that you can say anything you like on Twitter, I would have thought that's a pretty obvious answer. Well, <laughs> that's probably true, yes. No, indeed. Okay, and let's moving move on, on from to, Musk. Uh, to Amazon Alexa. They oh, have right. produced the Create with Alexa, which is available on the Echo Show, which is the Echo device with a screen built in. Mm-hmm. Only in the US at the moment, but it will undoubtedly, undoubtedly be rolled out, rolled out worldwide. And the, it makes a story, a bespoke story, based on children's suggestions. And it has animation, sound effects, and music. Each story, they claim, is unique and not just piecing together different bits of stories. And it looks actually rather interesting. Alexa, as we know, huge success story for Amazon. Turns out, no, it wasn't. Right. The Alexa lost Amazon $10 billion this year alone. Bit of a shock, isn't it? I was they reading have... something about that, and it said hmm. one of the reasons they started it in the first place was they hoped people were going to use it mainly for ordering stuff on Amazon. Yes. Um, which I resist doing because I like just seeing, you know, something yes, exactly. on a screen first. I'm much more into sort of timing cooking and asking it what the weather's going to be. Exactly. And... Well, that's what they don't want you to do with it, apparently. Yes, I realise. No, but I mean, it's it's bad enough buying stuff on Amazon without knowing exactly what you're going to get. But when you order it by voice alone, then you really have no no idea what's going to turn up. Yes, and given how Alexa sometimes interprets my instructions... Yes. Yes. You know, somebody open the door and there's an elephant on the doorstep. Exactly. Try returning that. Um, Perhaps a good moment to mention that BBC series, the title of which I can't remember because I wasn't expecting to be talking about it, but about the, you know, modern life and the the science behind different things like delivery apps and indeed the latest one. Oh, yes. Professor Haddon Fry. Yes. And the latest one is on virtual assistants, of which Alexa is one. Yes, she's. It's very, very good. She she's, has boundless enthusiasm. Sometimes <laughs> yes. slightly too much enthusiasm. <laughs> yes, yes. But she is very entertaining and engaging, and yes. she presents things. I think in a in a really good way. And if we she could was... remember the name of it, we could tell people what to go yes. and watch. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, well, you look up Hannah Fry on iPlay or something, you'll find it. Because exactly. indeed, this one about the virtual assistants was quite amusing because she was talking to the guy who was responsible for implementing and running um, the Alexa side of things, and there's a. Basically, a drawing from Jess Bezos, just sort of saying, "This is this is what I want." So he claims to be the inventor of it, but he just basically drew a box with the word "Mike" M I K E on it. Um, oh, do not make one of these. <laughs> and oddly enough, on Alexa, talking of Alexa, have you? Do you have one in your bedroom? I do. 
Do you ever find that it beeps occasionally in the middle of the night and you suddenly notice a beeping? You're just very quietly and you think, well, what on earth was that? Well, I finally remembered because I had a sleepless night last night and definitely did beep and I hadn't imagined it. Looking it up, it, it goes through a, a volume change routine before the alarm if you have an alarm set for the morning. And mine oh. was set to do the volume change at four in the morning. So every morning at four, it would make a gentle beep, which didn't always wake me, but sometimes oh. I would be aware of it. I have now tried to change it. and We'll see if that's... Chamber yeah. I, I pass it on in case anybody else has the same thing of thinking Alexa is disturbing their sleep by. Yes, indeed. It's sort of the virtual assistant equivalent of snoring, mm. I suppose. Well, from Alexa to remote control worms, which frankly we haven't got enough <laughs> yes. of yet. That's <laughs> yes, okay. This is the the product of Osaka Metropolitan University, and um, what they've done is they've taken a bunch of worms. <laughs> and they have implanted them. I'm sure that isn't the collective noun, but okay. A what would you? What is the bunch? A can. They've taken a can of worms. Can of worms, yes. And yes, uh, yes. they have implanted light-sensitive proteins known as opsins. Mm. Um, some of them from derived from mosquitoes, which makes the worms move forwards under green light, mm. and some of them taken from lampreys, which makes the worms stop under ultraviolet light. So by shining different lights at them traffic lights effectively they can make them go and they make them make them stop yeah but if there are any worms you know they couldn't cyclists they will just ignore the red lights they will they will well if they ever come across a worm on a bicycle then they will know no chance with that one no um and what use is this going to be i'm glad you asked me that they are not so glad you asked me that because they haven't actually come up with a use yet. But that's not the purpose of the science. The purpose of science is to push the boundaries and then let developers and technicians, people like Jeff Bezos, draw things on the backs of envelopes and say, here you go, build me one of these. And this yes. time we use radio-controlled worms. Remote-controlled worms. Yeah, it's mm. difficult to really to imagine what use there could possibly be. Yes. Yes, it really is. Okay. But anyway, well, if, if, they, if they ever find out, I will tell you. All right. Well, let's let's move on then. Let's move on to San Francisco, which has become the uh, first location in the first state in the United States. No, it's not a state, is it? It's California's the state. California's the state. The first city to allow robots to kill people. So there we go. There's progress for you. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry, but Isaac Asimov specifically said robots are not allowed to harm people it's one of the essential three laws of robotics it is one of the three laws laws of robotics you know what the other two were um no i can't remember that robots must not um injure people they must always obey people unless that contradicts the first law Mm. and they should do all in their power to prevent people coming to harm well so it's making three laws then it's breaking all three laws well these robots you'll be glad to know they're not autonomous robots Mm-hmm. They are under remote control, and they will be loaded not with guns but with explosive charges, so they can go and blow people up if they if they take if they take their fancy. I'm not sure that reassures me. Not very much, no. No, and okay, they're under people control now, but no doubt they'll become automated at some time in the future. Oh yeah, Skynet is getting yeah. nearer and nearer. It really is. It's it's, it's a little scary, isn't it? Yes, and I can't mm. help feeling it's rather. Bizarre that it's starting in San Francisco. It's only just down the road to Hollywood, really, isn't it? It is. Yes. And maybe that's why they're doing it there, so they can make it easier for them to make maybe. the first movie. Well, San Francisco is supposed to be this ultra left-wing liberal city. 
Yes, maybe that's why they want killer robots on it, to try and get rid of all the odd for left-wing liberals. <laughs> yeah, except they're probably the ones who've done it. I don't know. Anyway, mm. it's a good moment perhaps for us to take a small break. We'll be back in just a moment. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, this is Simon Rose. He's Steve Kaplan, and you're listening to Gadgets and Gizmos on Share Radio. If you want to hear other episodes of Gadgets and Gizmos, just go to your favourite uh, podcast platform and put the word Harkin in. But to make it easier, don't put any vowels in. H-R-K-N, that'll find us. Does that make it easier? It does. But left typing, I suppose. You've it got does. to remember Harkin without the vowels. But uh, yeah, yeah. Harkin without the it, it works very well, doesn't it, Harkin without it does. the vowels? It really does. I mean, that's why, because you Ingenious. actually do it with the vowels. Yeah. Lots of other things will come up. Yes. I think it was our boss, Gavin, who came up with that idea, wasn't it? It was. It was. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Quite a clever chap. Absolutely. You after yes. a pay rise? <laughs> Some chance of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so where now? We're on to the University of North Carolina who have developed a way of printing flexible electronic circuits onto curved surfaces, which has not really been possible before. And it, it involves a uniform thickness grid structure, which then holds the circuit. And uh, one of their prototypes has involved printing, uh, making a smart contact lens, where they printed a circuit on it that, well, all it does so far is to measure the fluid pressure in the eye. But of course, once they can do that, then they can make the smart contact lenses do just about anything. Augmented reality vision without wearing glasses. Wow. Possibilities are literally endless. Well, not literally endless. They are, although, do you, have you ever worn contact lenses? Never. Well, they make you glad you're wearing glasses sometimes. Oh, really? Well, not well. I mean, I used to occasionally for 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 sport, but oh, yeah, it used to take me forever to get the blasted things in. And then when you get them out, sometimes you can't even tell if you've got them out. So sometimes you're trying to take it out and it's not there. Oh, can't. I'm sure people sure wear them all the, the time. Surely you can tell the difference if you're no, wearing them. No, oh. I couldn't. Well, then maybe you've got just close the other. Well, maybe yeah. they were. Maybe they were. And I'm sure other people find them a lot easier. But yeah, it does seem very clever. And as you say, I'm sure augmented reality can only be a step or two away. Mm. So, um, the good news, you can't catch monkeypox anymore. Oh, excellent. I wasn't yeah. that worried about it, but I, I'm relieved. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, that's because the World Health Organization has changed its name to Mpox. Mpox. You can still catch Mpox, yes. Oh, okay. Because monkeypox, it, it would never came from monkeys. It was just first detected in the lab uh, mm. in monkeys. And uh, they think that it has racist connotations, calling it monkeypox. Or rather, other people have told them it has racist connotations. And so they are now calling it mpox. You can still catch mpox. Whereas, you know, varieties of um, of COVID, um, yes. not calling it G, was, you know, kowtowing to the Chinese. Well, no, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Although well, perhaps, we should be, perhaps we should write into the WHO and get them to change the names of lots of things. Mpox sounds like a rapper, though, don't you think? It doesn't sound like a disease. Yes, 
people might want to catch it now. Yes, you never know. Mm. Now then, moving on to vegans. It's tough being a vegan because not only can you not eat meat or fish or eggs or butter or milk, you also can't have any animal-derived products. Yes, believe me. Believe me, I know not just animal derived, but the the number. I have a vegan son. The number of products, if you go online, you find that might have some sort of relation with an animal having been involved somewhere. Filters, things pass over filters that might apparently have come from animals. It's horrendous. You need almost nothing. Having a Vogon son, though, isn't it? Well, have many people got Vogon sons? Um, Vogons do, I imagine. Okay, fine. Oh, even anyway, more so off topic than I normally am. This okay. is a, a Dutch company called Fooditive, yeah. who have developed a way of making vegan honey. Oh, my! And the way they do well, they say they take honey DNA, and I don't know. I mean, do they have to get that from honey? Because if they do, then it's no longer vegan. They claim it's vegan, and they put honey DNA into yeast. And then they ferment it uh, to replicate the process that takes place in the bee's stomach. And they say that they have honey that looks like honey and tastes like honey, but doesn't come from bees. And Believe me, it, a... might, it might look like honey and taste like honey. It won't be priced like honey. No, almost certainly not. Well, I mean, there's lots of expensive honey anyway, but, I'm, yes. it, you know, put the word vegan on something and you just double the price. Yes, yes. I'm not a, I'm not a honey fan myself. Oh, I like honey. Do you? Yes. Well, get you for Christmas then. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent. It was easy. Not very tech, but very easy. Um, very and talking of tech, we haven't had one of these, so we're going to have one hmm. now. Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce have tested their first hydrogen jet engine which is very good news for the planet, is that they're moved towards being carbon neutral up in the air. Yes. Because all hydrogen emits is um, hydrogen, water vapour, actually, which is which is not a bad thing, since the, the sky's full of it already. This is a test they've done in conjunction with the MOD, Ministry of Defence, and EasyJet. Because EasyJet <laughs> not often you get Ministry of Defence and EasyJet in the same sense. It's not, is it? I'm quite surprised. Uh, their claim is going to be zero carbon. The trouble is that most hydrogen is produced via a process called steam methane reforming, or possibly reforming. So maybe they're just taking evil steam methane and curing them of that, but I think they're actually reforming it. Right. And that separates out the hydrogen from the methane, but unfortunately releases carbon dioxide in the process. So not very good towards being carbon neutral. But, of course, green hydrogen is getting closer. We've mm. talked on this show about various people who are finding ways of making hydrogen without uh, without involving methane. So it's well, altogether well, a good thing. And, of course, lots of people drive electric cars. They don't seem to care where the electricity comes from. Well, it comes from somewhere else. It doesn't yes, pollute well, your well, town. This is pretty much the same else. then, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It is yeah. largely the same, yes. Um, but I'm quite intrigued. I mean, you know... Surely everybody knows hydrogen is a pretty flammable gas, isn't it? So for something like air travel, is it not dangerous? Or have they somehow got hydrogen that's not flammable? I don't know the answer to that. Oh. Hmm. Well, I'm assuming that EasyJet and the MOD have given it some thought. Is hydrogen flammable? It is flammable, isn't it? And of course, well, oxygen. Hindenburg was, was hydrogen. Was. And oxygen is also very flammable, but when you put the two together, you get water, which is quite well known for being non-flammable. <laughs> yes, yes. 
well, perhaps they, yes, perhaps they somehow carry lots of oxygen with them as well, just in case. <laughs> Maybe they do. <laughs> I don't know, but I would be That's intrigued to hear the answer. I'm sure they have thought about it. They just have. Let's move us. on to our crowdfunding time of the week. Finger on the button, please. Okay. Now, suitcases have got a lot easier to lug around airports since they put wheels on them. Yes, but nobody really knows who invented it. Is that right? Nobody knows? No. Nope. I've looked mm. and looked. Somehow they just sort of turned up. It did. Extraordinary. Mm. Because when back in the day when my parents used to take me on holiday, I had big leather suitcases. Mm. Mind you, in those days, there were porters who would carry the suitcases for you in that return for a farthing or two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And tug their forelock and thank you, say thank you, Governor. Exactly. Yes. Thank you, Governor. Well, introducing the air wheel. The air wheel, which is a ride-on suitcase. Ooh. It's uh, it's rather cute. I'm excited because is... children have these, don't they? Though they often they have do. to be pulled by a lead. This one but, yeah. doesn't need to be pulled Ooh. by a responsible adult or even an irresponsible adult. It pulls itself along. The suitcase handle becomes the handlebars on which there is the accelerator and brake buttons. Mm-hmm. It has a capacity of 28 litres. It's small enough to go in the overhead compartment on a plane. Um, and this is rather odd. Uh, top speed, 6.2 miles an hour. Maximum distance, 6.2 miles. And I thought, that's rather precise figures. But, of course, 6.2 miles an hour is 10 kilometres an hour. And, in fact, 6.2 miles is 10 kilometres. I think they're only guessing at that one. 130 kilograms maximum weight with the passenger and the contents. Uh, It's got a built-in power bank, which can also charge up your phone, but then just about everything can just charge up your phone. Well, um, yes, except the USB slots in most airports, which almost invariably don't work. Yes. It's a good idea, though, isn't it? Yes. The same, they don't work. Yeah. But, but this is um, great. If there are, if there are um, you know, go slows at airport, people are where you, you could have races on your suitcase. You could have races, exactly. Up to 6.2 miles an hour. So not very fast races, but probably fast enough in a crowded yeah. airport. Yeah, yeah. They have LEDs. You can change the colour. The LEDs <laughs> are on the inside of the suitcase. And so that you can see them, they have made the suitcase transparent. Now, I may be a bit of a prude here, but I reckon that is a major reason for not buying one of these suitcases. Who wants to be riding around in a suitcase? Everyone's going to stare at you when you're riding around in a suitcase. You would be really careful. You haven't put anything embarrassing on the outside. Yes. Exactly. They could see everything that's inside your suitcase. I think it's a very strange choice making it translucent. Yes, especially anyway. as you wonder how many people really are clamouring for LED lights on suitcases. <laughs> I imagine they've done their market research. Uh, 3,585 Hong Kong dollars, which is not nearly as much as it sounds. Mm. It's about 380 pounds. Plus shipping, Plus shipping. It's a lot for a, a lot for a ride-on suitcase. Come now. Well, and the other thing is, presumably, most of the time, you've been putting it in the in the hold. And it's not as yes, far but... to ride to the check-in desk as it is to actually getting to the boarding place. Gate, that's what they call them. Yes, gate. No, no, you don't put it in the hold. You'll be oh, putting okay. it in the overhead compartment. As I said, rewind oh, uh, the podcast okay. and you'll hear that. You'll no, you did say it would fit in the overhead compartment. Okay, well, mm. that's fine. Anyway, you have until the 13th of January to go onto Kickstarter and look for the air wheel and take a look. There's a, a picture it... of uh, a, a young Japanese lady riding around on it and people. A picture or a video? Nothing. Video. Oh, video. splendid. So it does work. Yes. It does seem to work. It's very cute. I mean, personally, 
I wouldn't be seen dead on one because I think it's, it's slightly <laughs> ridiculous. But then that's we're pushing the forefront of technology here. We don't have to worry about not looking ridiculous. Of course, if if you are riding on it and you are a lady, of course, and you were wearing a long dress, nobody would see the contents of the suitcase. Absolutely true. Although if it was a very long dress, it would get tangled up in the wheels. Well, that's true. And of course, LED lights wouldn't be a very <clears> good <throat> idea if the dress was thin. No, they haven't thought this through. They you know? really I'm haven't sorry. thought this through. They haven't. No. If only they'd have come to us first. So, what time for one more, I think. And finally, are you a fussy eater? Very. You are slightly fussy. You're a very fussy yeah. eater. Well, it could be down to the colour of your crockery. What? Some research done by the University of Portsmouth shows that the colour of the crockery affects your perception of the food. Mm-hmm. And they took a, a, a group of people and they gave them salt and vinegar, vinegar crisps served in red, white, and blue bowls. And people who had self-identified as fussy eaters, picky eaters, I think they called themselves, mm. uh, said that the, the food tasted too salty when it was served in the blue and red bowls, but not when it was served in the plain white bowls. Okay. There's a difference between being a fussy eater and whether you like lots of salt or not. I mean, it doesn't make any well, sense. No. But no, it's initial research that the perception okay. of what food tastes like depends on the colour of the oh, of okay. the crockery. And um, so, if there are things that you, if if you say that you know you don't like eating vegetables because they they taste too too bland or, mm. or whatever, too sour, then it may be that if you have them on a, a blue, dark blue plate rather than a white plate, that they would then taste sweeter. Okay. Never really. I suppose so. Sometime we're going to have to make a lead table of all these universities around the world um, and what ideas they come up with. Yeah. I'm not sure we've had the University of Portsmouth yet, but some of them crop up quite a lot. They absolutely do, don't they? I really wonder about this, yeah. how they get these research cards. Anyway, that unfortunately is it for this week from Gadgets and Gizmos. Steve Kaplan and I will be back with more next week. Are we going to do any Christmas stuff next week? Or we yeah, people are going we to are doing our Christmas stuff. gift guide on the 15th of December. Fantastic. Steve, thank you very much indeed. More anon. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.